A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome to the Out of Spec podcast. We're back for another week. I have with me Mike Breeling, Ben Spreen, and of course, Kyle Connor. Um, we're going to be filling you on some th- fun things we've been driving. Kyle's been driving fun things. I've been driving fun things. Mike and Ben have a new car in the garage. Um, and we're also going to talk about the Mazda MX-30, which we know more details about, and uh, the ideal foreign car we'd like to see domestic. domestic. Um and potentially another Cyberlander-esque scandal, or maybe it's real. But let's jump right in. Um, first, what have we all been driving? I uh, had a chance to drive Model S Plaid, which is pretty exciting. Do tell. Do we, do we want to just derail everything and jump in on that now? Yeah, or? let's talk Plaid. This is the yeah. most exciting car of the modern era, according to everyone. I want to know, is it true? Is it not? The thing is, before Ben goes on and explains, Ben, you are a motoring enthusiast who yes. happens to appreciate Tesla. You're not a Tesla fanboy, so I value your opinion more than others, if that makes sense. I see. I'd say I'm a little bit of both. I, I'm a fan of cars and Teslas and non, you know, I, I like them all. I, I do not judge. Um, I like all genres, but uh, I've had a few Teslas, um, so I'm used to the the brand and everything that comes with it, but at least I have maybe an outsider's perspective as the fact that I like other cars. <laughs> Some people who like Teslas tend to just not. Uh, but I had a chance to drive a Model S Plaid on the 21s, and it, it, it does live up to the hype is what I kind of realized very quickly into the drive. Uh, there are things I wanted to almost dislike from it. You know, I really kind of was like the steering yoke. I wanted to just not like that. I don't know why I just didn't like how it looked and I almost wanted it to be bad, but it actually was not quite that bad to use. And, you know, around town, I didn't really find myself struggling with it. And I did kind of appreciate the touch buttons on the wheel. It was a nice change of pace and it was, it felt relatively easy to hand, you know, it's not quite as tactile, but it's muscle memory. So you do remember where like the blinker is at least for instance, but really the important part is the acceleration. And uh, I can't, I need to think of how I can say this. I can't think of something terribly appropriate to say, but oh my gosh, it is an incredible car to accelerate in. Um, so Doug just, De Niro was not lying. No, his reaction is pretty accurate. You know, uh, <laughs> I think even if you've been in really fast cars, you know, whether it's a 911 Turbo S or a P100D Ludicrous Model S, Plaid just moves that benchmark so far forwards because I've been in a lot of fast cars, uh, but I've never been in an EV where I felt like and the power didn't die off after, say, 60, 70 miles an hour, pretty significantly, at least in the case of most Teslas. Uh, but the Plaid just pulls and pulls and pulls and just pulls. And it does that. It feels like it pulls harder when you hit 60, of all things. It gets faster almost as you That's go. Heard, yeah. um, I was doing an on-ramp, and it took maybe, I don't even think it was, I don't know how long the on-ramp was, but I made the turn onto the on-ramp at about you know, 40, 50, decent pace floored it 
and then had to brake quite heavily while merging because I realized I was doing 148 miles an hour. And that's when I started looking down and braking. Allegedly. So, allegedly. allegedly. Yeah, yeah. We were in Mexico, so. Uh, oh, well, Mexico. <laughs> they don't care. They have no speed limits, as we all know about Mexico. It's uh, so the one fact everyone knows. <laughs> but uh, it really is shocking how fast it is. And you, I mean, realistically, anyone could drive it, but I'm amazed we have not seen a massive accident on YouTube of one of these yet because it, the the space in front of your car very quickly disappears when you are accelerating that thing. It, it just, it moves you. It's, it's almost like teleportation. You're all of a sudden, you're way up there down the road compared to where you started. And it's, I mean, and that's unsafe if you're maybe not, like if that's your first fast car, really you want to ease into it because I, I foresee someone approaching a corner. You know, if you're on a back road, for instance, and you accelerate between a corner, I mean, a tenth of a second more on that gas or accelerator pedal is enough to really <laughs> enter a corner 30, 40 miles an hour way too fast. I mean, it just, it's, the force is unbelievable. It's unrelenting. And I think they have a limited top speed now, but it pulled really hard all the way up to that, you know, high 150-ish area of speed. And I think Allegedly. that big, alleged 150. <laughs> the, That's what I'm looking out here. So, yeah, it's been interesting to watch them progress because, you know, back in the day, well, relatively back in the day, P85 plus was so cool. And then P90D and then P100D. So what is the delta between P100D and the plaid as far as the zero to 60, which is not the most important part, but what is that number wise? Uh, so the plaid is 1.99, something mm -hmm. like that. And the P100D is, you know, re in the real world, you're probably doing two points three-ish, you know, yeah. 2.4. It, it can do a little better depending on the surface, but 2.3 is a pretty good number for one of those cars to do. So, uh, and just like going from say a three second car to that 2.5-ish second range that you get in a performance Model S, that's already feels like a lot bigger difference than that half a second would, you know. Yeah, I'm, I mean, like going for like three seconds was, is so fast. And then two seconds is, the, that percentage faster is way different than comparing like seven seconds to six seconds. Like oh, people, yeah. people tend to focus on like how many tenths faster is it, but it's more like what's the percentage faster because that's like what is mind blowing about the plan. I and, mean, the force you experience is just out of the world, you know, and the fact so, that it keeps pulling. <laughs> so Ben, you, you worked at Tesla when the P 100 DL I think was out. So you've driven now both, and you spent a little bit of time with the Plaid last week. My biggest question is, apart from the yoke steering wheel or just the downright acceleration, but the passing power on the highway, does that feel any different? Like when you're already going 50 or 60 miles an hour and you just well, want to I get mean, around the truck. Can you in front make of it past the car in on an uphill <laughs> stretch? Like, you know, when I'm driving my Sprinter yeah. up I-70, I really need to plan out my passes. Do you have to like <laughs> – schedule a pass? <laughs> uh, no, uh, you can just do it. Uh, if there's one car length, that's probably enough to make it happen. It is, that's the party trick. I think zero to 60, you miss the point of flat with zero to 60. It's the 50 to 150 for that car is just in a league of its own. I, I'm not sure if I can think of another car that does that, you know, maybe it's a 50 to 120, whatever you want to call that range. I, don't, I can't think of a car that does that quicker. And with that response that you get out of an electric car, especially, which is something I've never experienced at speed. I've always gotten that response at zero to 60 and, and such. But to have that same response that is so shocking when you're a first-time EV driver, you know, and, and very impressive, to get that while at a high speed, I mean, that's actually something really special. And those motors they've developed to do it, I think, that's some really special secret sauce going on there to you know, offer that. Because there's nothing close to it in that, that segment at all. And the price is actually quite reasonable now that I've driven it. I'm thinking, what do I have to spend in my life to just get a Model S Plaid and call it a day? That's what I was going to say. Like people, when Roadster was unveiled, people were like, oh my gosh, less than two seconds, zero to 60 for $250,000. That's so much of a better deal than Bugatti. And now it's like Plaid is delivering roughly what Roadster showed back in that day, way back in 2017. And like that's an even better deal. Like it's beating mm -hmm. all the supercars. Of course it won't have yeah. maybe the same handling dynamics. It's not 
as engaging or fun on the track. Like Kyle said, I don't have a big V12 behind you to make you super excited, but it's a different kind of exhilaration. I will say um, I was pretty excited <laughs> for a car with no engine. <laughs> it, when you floor it, you get the G-force, the car kind of the front lifts up a little bit just from the pure force of the acceleration. Um, and it, it, you know, I don't want to say the car shakes as you accelerate, but there's, you have a sense that there's a lot of force being transmitted through the entire chassis of the car, which is in a sense, kind of the whole car tingles a little bit. It's like being on a jet plane at takeoff and they go full throttle and you kind of get that rumble of the whole airframe kind of coming together during takeoff. It feels a lot like that. Um, and that sort of like adrenaline building way. Um, and uh, you know, I don't know about the thermals of the car. I know it's supposed to be better. You know, they say it's more repeatable and I'm sure that is the case for well, acceleration. Brooks from Bragg drag times. He just did a shorts on YouTube, 20% state of charge still ran in the nines in a quarter mile, wow. 2.3 seconds, zero to 60, still a rocket ship. He's like, you know what? Yeah. Down to like 50%. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. And I drove I it about 70 and it was shockingly quick. I think below yeah. 70 or maybe it's the 50 mark. The owner was saying that they had a drag and timed it. He said 50 was already started to see maybe a degradation, you know, to that 2.3 range, but it seems like it holds much better than most other uh, Teslas. I'm curious to see how they do on track. I'd love to see a track mode for the car. I know it's a, you know, 4,200 pound sedan, but I think that might be, you know, nice when you have you a kind of power to play around mode. with it. The fact that you can't turn traction control off and slide it around and do dynamic things mm -hmm. other than one trick straight line acceleration. So Ben, yeah. to me, we've obviously, you've gone down the road, everyone wants to know, is it fast? We all know it's fast, but what about the rest of the car? What was the yoke like? What's the new interior like? Yeah. How are the controls? Mm -hmm. Is it quieter? Does it feel better? Okay, that's actually a good point. Um, do, I guess I'll start with the yoke briefly. Uh, using the yoke, it could be better, but it also could have been much worse than it was. So I'll give them credit where it's due on that. Uh, the feel is pretty comfortable to use. The steering lock, it's still too much rotation required, I think, to get to full lock in each direction. So a three-point turn is not going to be seamless. And admittedly, I forgot to try that in the car. But just from pulling in out of parking spot, I kind of got the sense that when you're crossed up, it's going to be a bit weird. And you'll have to be conscious of that driving the car. But for your... 90% of driving that's non-maneuvering, that's just following corners, turning right on a red, 90 degree turns. That felt pretty good. And I thought the capacitive controls were good. You had to give it a firmer press to trigger it. So it's a little trickier to active, activate those things accidentally. Uh, but the interior, I think, is probably almost as exciting as the rest of the car because it's finally more worthy of the price. And, you know, we've had some expensive Teslas in the past and, you know, they uh, had quality issues. They were louder. They weren't as quiet as other things a window on my Model X rolled up and rolled up outside of the vehicle once while we were moving down the highway. Wait, I distinctly <laughs> remember going through a car wash in your car getting wet. That did happen <laughs> as well. That also happens in the current Model 3 I have sometimes. So that's still a recurring thing in my vehicles. But It didn't happen uh, in the Jeep I have, which is funny. That's uh, crazy. We'll talk about that because in the same 4xE, my colleague Tom got wet when it rained. But we'll talk about <laughs> But the interior is vastly improved. It is quieter. It's more comfortable. The materials feel better. The new dash architecture with the new screen and everything, just ignoring the technology of it, the layout's nicer. It doesn't feel like it, because in the models, you have that very vertical screen previously and very flat, tall dashboard. So when you sit lower in the seating position in the car, you feel like you're kind of looking at a cliff and looking over it to look out. And it, it kind of has this lack of visibility forwards that you get from that. And this new one, they moved the dash down as low as they can to give it more of a Model 3-like feel where you've got that low dash. Um, and that, I think, helps a lot. And you know, having the screen poke up in the middle doesn't really look out of place due to the way they've sort of kept the bezels thin and integrated it. Um, that instrument cluster, though, doesn't seem to have much customization or functionality yet, but I'm sure it will come. Um, but the infotainment's excellent. It's very quick. The rear screen's nice addition. Is the sound system any different or the same? I actually didn't listen to anything on it. Um, okay. I heard it was at all. different. Like, like the it has active noise canceling now. And yeah. I, I know they said they made changes. The uh, person whose car it was said that it sounds pretty good and he's got a lot of pretty high end cars, but they're usually more like McLaren, Lamborghini, Porsche, kind of more higher supercar sports car territory. So he's not really uh, comparing that to say S class audio or something like that. He's a big F series truck guy. He likes Raptors and things like that too. So. You know, take Ooh, that for what you will. 
<laughs> so your, your so, overall impression of Plaid is much better daily driver, much better oh, accelerating yeah. car. Even Plaid aside, the just new Model S as a whole feels a lot better built, it, and it 30, feels a lot wider. $30,000 cheaper than the MSRP on my old P100D. <laughs> <laughs> people are like it's too expensive i'm like what yeah yeah you know, when you, what was your belt of it was like one hundred and sixty nine thousand dollars yeah it was just like touching 170 yeah i had a 90 dx and i think that was 125 which is basically equivalent in price almost after riding autopilot to it and uh, that car was nowhere near the range nowhere near the performance it, the interior refinement wasn't there either I think I this new like charging is nice. Uh, even that center like console is like a good upgrade. Yeah, yeah, I actually have been thinking about a long-range dual-motor Model S, and then I'm like, well, if I'm already spending the money, maybe. <laughs> that, that's the, the thing. It's like, like, it's so, what is it, 90 versus 130? I mean, you kind of just got to go for it. But the going to be so much better. Yeah, you got to think long-term investment. And I mean, yeah, I'd be curious like to drive it for – a relatively long term. I mean, Marquez Brownlee says it took him like a week to get used to the yoke steering wheel, mm -hmm. and now he just doesn't I mean, he even think in about the city, it. So that kind of makes sense because in the city, you're doing those maneuvers that yeah. are using for that signal more often. We live in kind of a suburban area, so most of the roads I took uh, that had corners, I'm making a right turn on red, kind of 90 degree things. And I never had a parallel park, and I kind of forgot to even try it. Um, <laughs> I'm acting into a parking space, uh, but you know, again, you're using the camera, so you're looking. You know, you're still facing the yoke. It's that when you cross over and are trying to maneuver, I think that's where it can get a little trickier. Yep. Um, but it, it's actually, I have one concern about the yoke that I don't quite love. It's not centered vertically on the um, whatever, what's the right term for this? The steering column. It sort yeah. of sits like this. So as you rotate it, it kind of pivots a little bit oh, more. Really? Yeah, it's, it's not that's odd, but it's, I think it's, like if you're going straight, it felt like it was the pivot point was near the top of it so that it's doing this more so than it's doing this. And so uh -huh. if you compare it to like, if you've, if you've ever been in a small aircraft and use the yoke there, it feels that that column is very central. So it's very much a roll thing. And this is kind of, I mean, it's not much, but it's something I kind of immediately felt was not quite <laughs> Um I don't know if that's a problem, but it just means it kind of moves a little bit more in those sort of tighter turns. And I don't actually think it's the lack of a top or bottom that makes it more easy to miss. I wonder if maybe that's what's throwing people off because it's, you know, not vertically symmetrical or, or centered. I think it's just that they cut half the freaking steering wheel off that's throwing people off. <laughs> that could be it. Um, I'll say it this way. If I had the choice between a regular steering wheel and the yoke, I'd probably have to think on it. It's not a default choice for me at this point after driving it. Uh, I think I'd probably end up with the normal steering wheel because I feel like that just is, offers a, more utility for, you know, sportier driving. But for a lot and of people who are going to be cruising down. on auto, yeah, you can do that. It's a little tough to do that with a yoke. I mean, <laughs> and if track road road comes out, you're going to want a steering wheel. Oh, yeah. If track road comes out, that's a game. That means the yoke is already bad. Is someone that. is someone going to come out with a steering wheel adapter? You know, like the old Nintendo Wii remotes that came with, the, you could stick it into a wheel? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. would be the best thing ever. The aftermarket potential is very high for this because I think it's something that's so different. Not everyone's going to want to use it. And I, I think the biggest issue with the yoke for me was just that it doesn't provide any real benefit that's tangible. Yeah, you can see the instrument cluster a little bit better, but it wasn't really a hardship in a car before. We've all lived that way for 100 years, and it, it was never like a problem for people. Um, and, and the flatter bottom, I guess, makes entry and exit slightly easier. But when this, you've got a telescopic column that moves around, it's not really it, – it moves out of your way to get in and out. So I, I couldn't find a reason that the yoke added much utility to the driving, and that's really my complaint about it is that – it didn't give me something. It just took something away, but had a cool factor, which is maybe worth something to you. But for me, I, I felt like I needed something tangible on top of the cool factor to give up that. Hey, yeah. Mike, I want to hear about what's in your driveway now. <laughs> what is or what is not in the driveway? Oh, maybe it's not yes. there. I want to hear about the new addition to the family. So, yeah, we... Um... Ben and I, uh, just about a week ago, six days ago, <laughs> decided we want to dip our toes into the off-roading, overlanding scene. And we were, we've talked, we've discussed it in the past, just trying to look for 
kind of casually looking for some kind of SUV to go off road. And one day we're just decided to pull the trigger on a uh, 2005 Lexus GX 470. That's right. Very soccer mommy type of car that is known as a Toyota uh, Land Cruiser Prado in the rest of the world. Uh, over here, we got it as the luxury version of Toyota as the Lexus. Uh, it's got 68,000 miles on it, one owner, and boy, did she rag it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's uh, no, I mean, what's but, the condition of the vehicle? So overall, it overall really is a nice condition. It came out of Maryland. A uh, little bit of surface rust underneath just because of that, you know, the mid-Atlantic. They do use salt in the winter. Uh, the top roof is a little bit faded. The clear coat's kind of fading, and there's some road rash to the hood. Uh, other than that, the inside is in really nice shape. Everything on it works. The center diff lock works. Four-wheel drive low works. It goes right in and out. No grinding, no issues. Uh, it does need some tires. All the tires on it are pretty old, and Ben already popped one, testing the off-road capability of the tire. Oh, Thank no. you. I, I didn't um, pop it. Fun I, I kind of obliterated the tire. At about half hour, I sliced the sidewall, the whole sidewall. It's like this long, like five-inch slice through. On a rock, or what'd you hit? A uh, curb. It was didn't have pavement near it, like a in a uh, construction development. I was turning around. Yeah, so we were out driving around. This is the night we bought this car, right? So it was last Thursday. So we're out driving <laughs> around, and we just wanted to test the four-wheel drive system for some reason. And you know, where we live, time. there's really no off-road trails close, close, even though we probably should have gone to the Powerline Trail that Kyle and I took that Ram, his rental Ram, on <laughs> and just beat it down that trail. We also um, took the Land we Cruiser did. there, didn't we? Yeah, the Heritage. Yes, we did, it. yeah, the Heritage. Uh, this car actually rides better than that car, for sure. Mm -hmm. But anyway, awesome. we're out trying to, yeah. I mean, for how old, for you know, a 16-year-old car, the ride is impressive on it still. The airbags and all that work in the back, the air suspension. I mean, it, it's pretty close to a Range Rover ride, if not a little bit better, depending on the surface you're on. But anyway, back to how Ben sliced open the sidewall on our brand new to us car. He just had to test out the four wheel drive and found this little development that was, you know, the road was down and the curves were kind of flattened over, but where he pulled off. So he pulled up over the curb, drove up onto the mud and then put it in four low, rolled forward, rolled back. Oh, great. It works. Yeah. A lot of good off-roading. And then over on the side, so the driver's side, turning off on back onto the street, there was a cut in the cement for like, they must be laying something or putting like water pipe there or something. And Ben decided to just turn right over that. I and you could feel the whole car just <laughs> crash down. And I was like, oh boy, that seemed really violent. So he got out and actually checked the tires right afterward and everything was fine. You couldn't tell. It was all good. The car was covered in mud. The, all the mud stuck to the tires really aggressively. So we ended up driving maybe 500, 600 feet, and then all of a sudden, just instant flat tire. Yep. And, and that's so also on the side of the road. <laughs> yep. On the side of the road, flat tire. It's, you can see lightning. The wind's coming. It's about to <laughs> downpour rain. So we ended up going, getting over to this, um, limping it over to like an apartment area like the entrance to an apartment building you know where the clubhouse is type deal and we're like all right well this car does have a full-size spare so let's you know open the back and we're looking for the tools and everywhere where you looked online where the tools should be there are none this car had no jack or tools in it <laughs> and the spare tire was flat anyway so it wouldn't have made a difference <laughs> it was unbelievable well so how did so you fix it uh we waited until yeah, about one 30 or well, 1 a.m. to have AAA tow it uh, oh, it to uh, okay well it was a little late in that apparently uh two we had AAA come pick it up and drop it off where it could be taken care of and um I couldn't get through to anyone at AAA and you need to talk to someone to uh, allow them to approve an unattended tow where you're not there you just leave the keys in the car and I spent the whole three hours on holds multiple <laughs> times with multiple people 
trying to accomplish this because it's all like, oh, you need to speak to a Carolina's AAA person. I'm like, great, well, that's the number <laughs> called. I'm like, well, we'll transfer you. And then they'd never transfer or they'd never call back, whatever it was. And they finally got someone as the tow truck pulled up. So I just <laughs> hung up then. And to top it all off, so we're sitting here waiting. You know, the car is idling. The air conditioning is working fine. Nothing else wrong with the car, which is great. And it's now 1230 at night, almost 1 a.m. Ben finally gets a hold of AAA. They're like, oh, they'll be there in a half hour or something. So I call an Uber. I'm like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to grab the Audi and I'll come back and pick you up. So we both don't have to Uber. And I just didn't know what time Ubers ran till on a weekday night. So I was nervous that they would all like go to bed or something. And then the Uber guy shows up in the most awful Audi A6 I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> every light on the dash. And it was an alarm that would just scream every few minutes. Just like stop the car. Basically oh, no. on the dashboard, just driving along like there's nothing, nothing going on. <laughs> well, that's like I feel like every car that gets exported to like the Middle East ends up in that state. But here it was yeah. in yeah. Raleigh, North Carolina. It probably sounded like it had like 190 inside of it. Mike, would you say it'd be a $500 car if you were to put a money on it? Uh, well, in this market, it's probably a thousand dollar car. <laughs> Double, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm yeah. uh, I'm glad you guys got a Lexus. Not a good ownership experience, but that means you have to come on out to Colorado and yeah. uh, do some off roading with us. And I know this section's going on for a little while, but Jordan, you've been driving just for a couple days now the new Jeep Wrangler Four by E. So yes. tell us about it. Not four XE, four by E. <laughs> yes, four by E, like four by four. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh. I'll, I'll touch more on it next week after I've had it. I've basically done one drive so far, but I can say it, it is half the price of the Model Plaid, uh, Model S Plaid, and one sixth the speed if you have it in EV mode. It is the slowest <laughs> zero to sixty oh, I think yeah. I've ever experienced. And, well, that's when you lock it in electric mode, right? Yeah, yeah. In electric yeah. mode, it is one hundred and thirty-four horsepower driving a five thousand three hundred pound brick. But that's not uncommon for plug-in hybrids. Volvo no. plug-in hybrids are super slow in electric mode too, and they uh, overheat. And, um, but, what, but with the combustion engine, I thought it was pretty quick. I drove that same exact yeah. car that you had last week because uh, Timon and I, I think even after our last show, we drove 20 cars in a day basically, and one <laughs> of them was your Wrangler 4xe. Yeah, it's decent. If you leave it in hybrid or like normal e-save mode or whatever and don't use electric only, it's actually a solid Jeep. It's a little clunky. It, it, they haven't really worked out you know, the smoothness of a hybrid. But at the same time, I think they can get away with it. Of all people, Jeep can get away with not having a really smooth driving experience oh, yeah. because you don't oh, buy a Wrangler for that. It's not smooth. And I would <laughs> say it's actually the worst car I've driven all year. Um, <laughs> well... Kyle, that explains why, because what I where I work, why I've seen a lot of people selling them. We've had a ton of the new four by four E or XEs come in with less than two thousand, three thousand miles on them. Makes sense. It really drove like crap. It fell out of gear pulling out on the first thing. You know, you get all the downsides of a normal Jeep, which is like just garbage. And I think it was like worse feeling because I got out of a brand new Ford Bronco. You know, the, the new thing, we were rocking along, EcoBoost V6, awesome truck, <laughs> solidly built, feels good on the highway. And then we got into this thing, and I was like, oh, my God, we went back 30 years. Like, it was truly <laughs> night and day difference. And I have to say, I was not crazy impressed with their drivetrain. I think it is cool how they can do 4x4 low in electric mode and how you can do some of your driving electric. I wish it was more like RAV4 Prime where you had a lot more driving range, a lot more acceleration in electric mode. I actually was not even able to experience the vehicle in electric mode because the battery was flat by the time I got to it. And so that's uh, partially why maybe my impression is swayed and I'll wait for my final impressions until I can spend some time with uh, the one Jordan has again next time I'm back in Colorado, maybe in November. And so I'll try and grab that vehicle out of the fleet again. But I was just going Bronco to JL was like, oh my God. <laughs> to be I bet. Yeah. So I'll, I'll touch more on it next week, but so far it's, 
I don't know. It's fine. But yeah, I, it, it doesn't hold a candle to most things, which is kind of a bummer because it, it's it's expensive too. like I, I can't grasp like it's over 60 grand for something. I don't think I would pay 30 for. I like I will say I like Jeep like I like tur- like taking the top off, took the windows off. I was just having a blast like I love that part of it. And it was fun putting it in EV only mode and then not being in a rush. Cause if you're not in a rush, it's actually kind of cool. It's quiet. It is like, as far as Jeeps go, if, as long as you're not expecting like total comfort, it's just kind of fun to drive around. It's fun to like, I don't know, pull up to a brewery and you're just completely silent and people are like expecting a, like a junky old Jeep. Like a lot of them are in Colorado with like a loud, like rusted out exhaust or something. And it's just like, and <laughs> I've only, you know, driven it twice and I've plugged it in both times and public chargers and both times I've had the funniest reactions from people just like asking what it is. Someone asked if I had a conversion done somewhere. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> and the parking garage attendant at work this morning was like, you can't park there. That's only for EV charging. And I'm just like looking at him while I open the cap and plug it in. And then he just walks away. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of fun. It's, it's fun to have this right now, but I think, you know, once Jeep does have a fully electric Jeep at some point, which I'm sure they will, but right now they're just having fun with, you know, 392 and this, at some point, this will be like the thing no one wants. Like this is the early attempt at or electrifying. Or the best of both worlds. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> so. I mean, do you want a battery electric Jeep going out in the wild, going out, you know, for a long, long cruise, getting yourself lost and then, oh, where's the charging station? Look, I know I'm painting a bad picture here, but that's going to happen to people with battery electric uh, yeah. adventure vehicles. Well, so. I'm, I'm excited for Sunday. I'm going to take it to do the St. Mary's Glacier off-road course. And so I will be using gas to get there. And then as soon as I get there, switch it to battery. And then I have effectively quote unquote, 20 miles of range, whatever 15 ish kilowatt hour gets me. And the trail is about 10 miles long. So I'm excited to do that trail in EV mode because after doing the electric, uh, light lightning F-150 trail with the, the guy who did help develop that off-road suspension, everything like that trail on EV mode was so awesome. Like if you just hear nature, you don't hear a giant engine, which that's fun in and of itself. But it was like it felt more like proper nature driving. So I'll, I'll be curious to see how, the, especially with you know the top and all the panels off, should be fun. So tune in next I, week. <laughs> I think we may have an interesting opportunity here to do a like PHEV electric mode acceleration comparison between the two vehicles because that Jeep, the Cayenne hybrid, the X5 plug-in hybrid, and the Ranger plug-in X3. hybrid, all X3. Uh, they all seem to have the same 100. Well, I think the kind's 114 horsepower, but I think the other ones are like 111 or something. Electric motor, uh, and so all the. It, it's funny that like when you drove, Kyle, well, you drove the uh, plug-in Range Rover, right? I've driven how'd all you the feel, ones you mentioned. I think, yeah. How do you feel about that acceleration? I wonder if that is better yeah. or worse, really. Not good. How can you like? I, I I don't know. I don't like it. Volvo stuff, X3 stuff. It's all slow in electric mode. We should do yep. as part of our regular testing a zero to sixty in electric mode. It's important in cars. I agree because the whole also, point of the PHEV is that. Yeah, and it's also very important that you are able to maximize your acceleration in electric mode before it kicks on the combustion engine. There has to be a kickover switch. And if there is not one, it fails at being a plug-in hybrid, in my opinion. I agree. I I think, like, how is the Jeep's EV mode? Like, do you have to hit the bottom of the pedal to get the engine to turn over, or...? Roughly, yeah. If you, if you just go not quite to the floor, it'll stay like up to like, so far it's been up to like 75% power because they replaced the speedometer with a power gauge. But is there a hard thing that your foot hits that you know you can just knock it to that yeah, point kick down, and but... know that it will not kick on the combustion engine? I'm not feeling one yet, okay. um, uh-huh. which is interesting because I also am not really feeling like some cars you can feel when it switches from like, region like braking to region to like full-on braking again this also is really numbing like there's no noticeable point as to when it's region well, that's a good thing actually yeah it's, it's, really it's actually function. it's actually one of my favorite region feeling cars which i did not expect i um, found the perfect brake pedal this week in what i was driving <laughs> <laughs> really 
What yeah, is that? which is hard to find. It was the Polestar 2 with performance pack. It hey, was Tycon was with ceramics level of breaking performance. Oh, that's good. Beautiful it's like car. amazing. This is such a weird car, okay? I don't know how <laughs> to describe it. I know. On paper, it's like built for me. It's kind of Swedish design, modern, crisp, not pretentious in any way, but very oh, premium. The the interior has the nicest. Mine had the old man Napa leather in tan, which I loved. Cooled mm. seats, um, you know, great, awesome uh, textures throughout. The layout was amazing. The ambient lighting was amazing. Everything on this car like felt so good inside. And then I don't like anything behind the C pillar on the back. Uh, although parking it next to XC40 Recharge, it did look better. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually really like XC40 Recharge. I'm driving it tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that as sort of a back-to-back -back comparison. This one had the performance pack, so Brembo brakes, 20-inch wheels, Olean suspension, and gold seat belts. Which make all Most important. <laughs> very hardcore suspension on this car seriously hardcore suspension i turned it up to track mode for my canyon blasts pictured here uh for our youtube audience and this thing rides way too firm for the street in track mode but it's hilarious it's like going sport plus 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 mode in like a gt3 it just like hops. <laughs> you know it's like well, Kyle, you, you remember it's <laughs> When you had the V60 Polestar, when you lived in Raleigh, where we turned the suspension all the way up as stiff as it would go, and like the whole car would like pivot over <laughs> uneven pavement. I bet it's the same damper um, as they use. Oh, I bet you it is. Yeah, and, but it's mounted upside down in the front. So to actually adjust, so on the V60, we could adjust the rear. The front mm -hmm. suspension was easy. You open up the hood and click, click, click. Yep. This, you have to turn the front wheels all the way, reach in. There's just enough room for your arm to get in there. If someone turns the steering wheel, your arm is coming off. And then you can <laughs> knock, you can twist the knobs underneath. In the rear, in the V60, we could pivot it up on a corner, lift a wheel, like on that curb behind my house. Yeah. Them, and we could reach in and adjust the knob on top. This has the knob on top as well, but it's behind a wheel well liner. So you physically need to unscrew the wheel well liner, pull it back, pull the cap out, jack it up. It needs to be on a jack, and then you can adjust it. And we did this three times, and I drove the car in all the Polestar recommended settings in different environments. I don't think any other reviewer has done this. And it's <laughs> all the difference in the world. And it's amazing. But driving it up a back road, the thermal management was insane. I shredded this car balls out up, you know, my normal morning route. Didn't overheat until the very, very top, which I can't say about any other EV. In, even in my Tesla oh, wow. in mode, the battery goes red, the motor goes red, um, and, like, that gets hot. So I, I was, I would say, on par with Model 3 performance thermal management here. Very impressive. Uh, the cornering was great until you really started throwing it around. It was very understeery. The problem is the front and rear motor make the same amount of power. So you never mm -hmm. get power on oversteer. And, like, you can't do it at all. And so I thought, put a bigger rear motor in there. Give it 100 more horsepower on the back or 50 more horsepower on the back. Then it would be like that. Then it would be a perfect performer. So – you know, very impressive performance here. It's a little bit rough to live with every day with the performance pack. I would drive with it in full comfort personally all the time, and then just turn it up for a blast. But, uh, you know, getting into the EV technical stuff, I did a 70 mile per hour highway range test, did 223 ish miles, seven miles Ooh. less than the car without the performance pack. So almost no difference. Um, it has really weird battery calibration. It's so conservative on the top and bottom end of the battery. On the top end, you get almost no regen, and, and then it really limits your regen until like 85% state of charge. On the bottom end, if you get below 7% state of charge, you pretty much have no acceleration. just limits you like crazy, and that's just to protect voltage sag in the pack. Mm -hmm. uh, so 1% state of charge, it'll do like 35, 40 miles an hour. Um, <laughs> it's really the most aggressive throttle taper I've ever felt in any EV. And um, the other last negative would be the charging curve sucks ass. Technical term. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, that's disappointing because every time I read about a Polestar, I really 
really want one. I've debated getting one for a while now, and I'm always back and forth between the performance pack or non-performance pack. Ultimately, you probably don't need the performance pack except for no, the gold you do. belt. Transforms the car. Need. Well, no. now, yeah. I mean, yeah. after you driving and spending time with one, now I want one. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't get one without pack. it. As an enthusiast, you you really couldn't buy one without the performance pack. It truly, I've driven both. It truly yeah. transforms the entire car. The braking is amazing. I mean, I got the brakes hot; they were smoking, right? You know, so I, I'm going to test the limits here. But it's not uh, new for you. No, but it was very impressive. And it didn't do the weird Volvo stuff that when you drive it hard, it thinks the seatbelt's unbuckled in the passenger seat yeah. and you get ESC errors. It didn't do any of that for me. Uh, granted, I wasn't as hard as I was on it on some Volvos we've had on track and stuff, but incredible <laughs> car. Honestly, I would 100% go buy one today. I think the range is perfect if the charging curve was better. If it had an e-tron charging curve, it'd be in my driveway right now. That's yeah, good that's the thing. The e-tron spoils you for sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I've been contemplating with the used car market being as good as it is right now. It, what would I get rid of my Model 3 and replace it with short term? And the Polestar is the thing I kind of, my heart wants, but my brain with the charging curve and some of the other things there kind of steers me away from. Like if they had a performance model and then tweak this, the charging curve over software with a little bit of, you know, you know, Wireless updates, that might put it right in the spot. Because that range sounds pretty close to Model 3 performance highway range, at least in my own usage, wouldn't it you say? It was 333 watt-hour per mile at 70, which is a, just a tick worse than my Model 3. Yeah, not by much, though. Yeah, maybe 30 watt-hours. Yeah, that's reasonable. And it's what's yeah. the pack size in that car? Usable. 75 usable, but I think it might be a little bit more than that. I'm also pretty – I my car may have degraded a lot, my Model 3 performance, because driving it out here to Oregon, we were, like, really chugging along on uh, – <laughs> efficiency was good, but range was not so good. So Maybe we should do a capacity test between my car and your car because they're both Model 3 performances purchased during the same two-week period. Okay, let's coordinate that video. Next time I'm in North Carolina, October, the second week of October, I'll try and drive the Model 3 over. And uh, right. we, we should do that. I think that'd be an interesting test. How do you feel about the infotainment? I feel like that Google software is something really exciting in the Polestar. Loved yeah. it. Truly loved it. I thought it was integrated so nicely. There's really not much you need to do with infotainment. What you need is an easy way to pick your music, which it was there. The only thing I didn't like was there was no next track or backtrack away from the steering wheel, um, but that's fine. Mm -hmm. I just used the steering wheel. It's all the same Volvo stuff anyway. Um, the sound system was good, but not great. It gave the impression of being a good sound system, but then when you turned it up, it didn't have the power to back it up. It was just like, please put the Bowers and Wilkins in here. Um, so <laughs> it, that was disappointing actually, because it was good enough to the point where I was expecting more. And I think we could say that really about the whole car. It's so good, but it's just 20% away. Yeah, from it's just, just. Yeah. So uh, it, it's, it's somehow the perfect 8 out of 10 car. Is it's that, like an eight, that? maybe a 7 <laughs> out of 10. It's like so good where you go like, wow, you bought one, but I didn't buy one because of X. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I really wanted it to be just a little bit more special. The infotainment was really well done. The route planning for chargers was pretty accurate, but it can only do short distances. Like from Colorado to Salt Lake City, it could do, but it couldn't do North Carolina or LA. Both of oh, which. Oh, really? That's it just too much. It, you know, maybe it can only do like four stops or something. Yeah, it was something like four or five stops seemed to be its yeah. limit. Hmm. And um, so it's like the next version of this product or a future update or some tweaks could, I mean, it's, it's hardware wise, not too far off where it needs to be. So it, it sounds like great. more software. Really the two things I'd really, the three things I'd love to see the inscription seats out of the Volvo, give me the massage, the, uh, and the power lumbar and all that stuff. I don't care. I'll, I'll give you a mile range for a massaging seat and then uh, Bowers and Wilkins and oversteer. <laughs> Or even just well, you never know. Neutrality. It was just very understeery. And, you know, with having such a hardcore suspension, tire, and braking package, I really, you know, was driving the car the way, you know, it's branded to be driven. There's a track sitting on the suspension. I'm flying into corners, full liftoff oversteer, on-limit handling, um, and it just never, never rotated. The back was just along for the ride. I didn't like that. Now, what about the V60 Polestar? Because that had a similar feel to it, I would say, or or was that even more neutral still than the Polestar? V60 Polestar will outhandle Polestar 2. 
Uh, and it does use the rear tire a bit more, but there is no chance of oversteer in V60 full start. And mm-hmm. that bugs me too. I mean, you just need a really crazy stiff rear sway bar of some kind, I guess. We're in this boat where we're trying to love these Volvo Polestar products so much to be able to justify themselves. And we just need these like two or three little changes on every model to push us over the goal line. I'll get rid yeah, of the Model yeah. 3. Just, just get us right there. Just a yeah, little just, more. They're so close because they're so cool and they're so special. And if someone's, if I see one on the road, it's like mad respect, dude. Like that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if they do a wagon, I think that would just do it for me with everything unchanged. <laughs> that yeah, might be. I, I'd give up. I'd give up everything I want for an electric wagon. <laughs> or yeah. Star. Electric V90. Come on, mm-hmm. Volvo. All electric. I'd buy one. Come on, Volvo, you can do it. Let's do look, it. Look, all you have to do is millions of dollars of R&D, and you'll get like three sales out of it. It's a deal. like auto journalist will love it, but no one will buy it. Yeah, a wagon. Oh, yeah. The BMW, the Bowers and Wilkins and the XC60 we had, like that was life-changing. Like I was looking for music that I hadn't heard in years just to like experience it all over again. It was a great sound system. Um, I do want to switch to a bit of news. Uh, but you guys talking about range and stuff, Kyle's 90 plus thousand mile model three still has a better range than this Mazda MX 30. Uh, <laughs> well, my but, smart car has a better range than that. MX-30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but at the same time, Kyle, you've been, uh, someone to defend the fact that like everyone's obsessing over, I need a car with the most range possible. It doesn't have 400 miles. I don't want it. But a lot of people can get away with less range. Your smart car has comparable range to this, and it does work for you in a lot of scenarios. Um, even back in my hometown of Columbia, Missouri, if I still live there, I could get away with this. But it is hard with seeing all the other cars out today, seeing a brand new to market EV with 100 miles of range. That's kind of tricky. But they are competing. They are competing too with some of the lesser range vehicles over in Europe, where this has already been unveiled or uh, released. And Kyle's about to drive some of those vehicles. So I I don't know. Wanted to get you guys' thoughts on the MX30. Well, I'll be the first in the U.S. to drive this thing, or at least among the first, um, which will be really cool. And that will come right after we come back from Europe. So we're going to be driving a whole bunch of crazy European EVs. I'm so excited to share this on the podcast with our viewers on out of spec reviews, et cetera. Um, this to me seems uh, like it's not a surprise. We knew this has been coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've heard about it for a while. We've had a lot of time to digest it. I think at first we thought on oh, the U S was only going to get the plug-in hybrid with the rotary engine. I thought that they were going to be range extended. Yeah. Yeah. But now apparently we're getting the, the just full battery electric one. Look, they're going to sell this in cities. Personally, I think it is, but ugly. This thing looks terrible. Uh, really yeah. does. And, um, you know, most people will not get it or understand it. Is it going to work for some people? Yes. But it all comes down to, is it fun and cheerful? Is it an actually usable way to get around town? I Look, I'll be the first to defend shorter range. In any case, you buy the range that's perfect for you. Why haul around all those extra batteries, weight, cost, complexity, environmental, uh, you know, impact, if you're never going to use it? The problem is this car is just a bit too expensive and a bit too big and impractical to justify it as an extra city runabout. If you're going to get something just for around town, buy a used 500E, buy a used smart car, buy an i3, buy you know, a Leaf, something cheap, and you just throw around the city and park anywhere and not worry about. This is still twenty four grand after... You know, obviously you making enough money to qualify for the full tax credits, which is a whole other topic that should be right on the hood. Because if you're trying to make a cheap TV, you're trying to go down market. Most people down market don't make enough money to pay uh, to, to afford the full $7,500 tax credit. So now they're, you're talking about a $30,000 car that's not going to be that useful for the people they're pitching it to. And it's not going to be a demographic that potentially has money to spare so that they're getting this as, oh, this is our third car for the city. You know, it, uh, I mean, Mazda's and main front wheel is- drive. It's front wheel <laughs> drive, 109 horsepower car. You've got to be yep. kidding me. I'm really curious. So it's, it's kind of sharing some of the CX-30 platform. Easy, but come on. <laughs> it, it's sharing the some of the mini electric has more horsepower. That's, and that's that that battery. Yeah. 
It, I don't know. I, I mean, I, they have to sell this in the market, right? Because of CARB and, and their ZEV state credit. So, I mean, they have to do this. Yeah. But at the same time, it does feel like it's, I want to say it's tone deaf, but part of what makes me think of a city car that's going to be used for these shorter trips is also something smaller to take advantage of that and a little lower cost at times. And so, I mean, I'm not saying that whatever it is, $25,000 or $22,000 after tax credit, whatever it might be, is expensive. But, you know, a car that large, and especially those kind of like split rear doors, if it's a big vehicle with a relatively small capacity inside of it, yeah, you know, it, it kind of feels like you're missing the point of, a car that's going to be used in this context. It should be maybe more compact and it should be a little bit more practical for a given footprint, I think. And stop no. making front wheel drive EV. <laughs> I know. Especially Mazda, the driver's brand. Hey, this is um, bull crap. You know what they're doing? They're sending us to LA for like this three day extravagant, nice hotel, the whole bit. I'm personally, I, I would prefer they just bring the car to the house, but it wouldn't even make it to Fort Collins from Denver. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, you know, I think they're just compensating. I feel bad for Mazda PR because it's like, they know this is just going to be. Yeah. Yeah. It, and um, it's, in its defense, it has a very niche use case because a lot of these like short range, small city cars are too small for a very niche amount of people who do want to drive just in the city with two adults and two kids but it's so niche that i don't think it's gonna sell very Coach well doors don't work with kids it's the biggest pain in the ass right so the back doors open like the i3 is that true yeah yeah okay. yes and your seatbelt you have to unbuckle this and is going to be eight thousand dollars in three years then it might be interesting well so your i3 can you open the back doors like by themselves no, no, the front door okay, has yeah. to be open. Same and with this one. Unbuckled. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's a nightmare. I guess it could be better than just having two doors, but it's it could be better than having no car. <laughs> but if you are going to buy a car, especially a new car, you have choices. Thankfully, if you don't have a car and you have a lot of money. This is for you. Look, I <laughs> want to defend the low range thing because I actually make a prediction, which is I think we're going to stop this chasing of range at some point in the future, and we'll just you know have cars that like a gas tank will have varying sizes, but no one will really care. Um, yep. However, this is like a whole new level of just, how did they think this was ever going to work in this market? In Japan, this might be perfect, right? Can we... <laughs> well, they're <laughs> only selling this is out on the US market. So Logic. Maybe in LA, the, that's their target city or San Francisco. That's what they picture this car working. You drive something you can't so buy. ugly around L.A. or San Francisco. <laughs> well, I know it does. It's not. It doesn't. It's not like good looking. Like a mini fits in because it's unique and it's you know individualized. Where yeah, this just is probably the worst example of Mazda's current design language I, that they've actually, put out so far. I actually like it more than the CX-30 looks. Oh, like. here we go. Well, the CX-30 is <laughs> not a good comparison. That's another pile of crap. <laughs> um yeah i it, i did want to point out for, for our youtube or for our audio listeners we're looking at an article uh from our friends at motor one and <laughs> so something else so the, yeah it's only for sale in california and when you buy one mazda will let you borrow any of its other vehicles for 10 days which is hilarious and the way they <laughs> so worded they it yeah the way they word it is like mazda seems to know the range is an issue so it's letting you borrow another car for 10 days a gas <laughs> now if that's 10 days a year for like yes. the four years of warranty period okay i at least they try the solution there uh how you borrow them is going to be interesting because I, I imagine dealers aren't just going to be like yes take one of our cars that because they're a business they have to obviously look at their costs they can't just appreciate cars like that you know so i, I wonder how easily that will work out because yeah, we got it was a silver disaster. car membership which is audi's rental <laughs> service and it's available at like 38 locations across the entire u.s none of which are terribly convenient so it's more of a if you go to a destination maybe you can take advantage of it but i want to circle back on your front wheel drive comment because it seemed online that when you talked about that with the base polestar most people didn't understand why we prefer rear-wheel drive in an EV because they're used to thinking of maybe the more traditional car. And I think you should maybe elaborate on that for them a little bit. Um, yeah, so I reamed Polestar for doing front-wheel drive, as I will ream Mazda uh, for doing front-wheel drive EV. Although Mazda is a bit 
more understanding because this has never had a rear motor or rear drive unit in this chassis, whereas Polestar makes an all-wheel drive version with a space for a rear motor already. Uh, and so the, the upsides of having a front-wheel drive combustion vehicle are better packaging, uh, of course, but that doesn't matter once the car's already made. There's already space for it in the rear. And uh, grip in the snow. So if you are driving up a hill or in snow, you have all that weight pushing down over the front wheels. It's potentially more predictable. You can go up steeper grades, uh, and, and you overall have more grip up front. With an EV, this is not the case. You have the weight where the motor is, and the motor's not even that heavy. It's usually pretty evenly split. So if you put the motor in the rear, it's actually better because then the acceleration pushes the weight on the rear and it allows the rear tires to dig in. There are downsides to front-wheel drive uh, motors and an EV, such as in it with such high instant torque, you tend to spin the tires very quickly, especially if it's wet outside. So Kona Electric, Nero Electric are dangerous when it rains out, no question. You try merging onto a highway, and it literally can't get traction, especially mm -hmm. with the Eco tires they're running. And it's very sketchy, actually. Oh, yeah. I remember uh, you and I going for a test drive in the Kona Electric when you had one, your dad's, I think. And I think mm -hmm. we laid like the longest burnout. It was like a quarter <laughs> mile or something crazy. It just kept, it was a damp day. It was damp. And the tires just kept spinning. Didn't matter what you did. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. In that front wheel drive platform, when you do that quick acceleration, you very quickly move the weight off the front wheels, exacerbating the problem. And then you get things like torque steer and. Uh, it Make just, it rear drive when you can. Now, I understand this car being front drive because it's an adapted combustion engine uh, chassis with also the space for the front. There's some things that are legacy that you can adapt, but if you're building a new ground-up chassis, you know who's got this right is Hyundai Kia Group with their EV6 and Kona and yep. GV60 rear drive biased, even in the all-wheel drive trends. These people know what's up. Um, but, you know, MX-30 closing out this conversation I'll drive it. We'll see what it's like in a reserve judgment. I don't think it looks good in photos, and I'm not sure the numbers add up for it to make sense for most people either. Stay tuned. I don't want to spend much time on it, but really quick, we had Dom on the show last week from the Inside EVs, and we talked about the GV60 because it was brand new news, and we all hated the design. I will say from the front quarter angle, now that we've seen a black one as like kind of a camo-free um, one that's drive, driven around probably testing or whatever it looks a lot better that being said the rear is the rear quarter angle and the side is pretty terrible it's just a weird kind of clown shoe shape but does that scream genesis when you walk up and you see a, arguably the classiest new brand on sale does this seem classy to you would you describe this as premium or would you say oh wow jimmy's got a new sporty hatchback this week right it's <laughs> yeah not Luxury. This is this feels more like almost like Kona EV and Jaguar I Pace had a mediocre <laughs> love child. I don't know. I don't. It's I see the Genesis more with this. Like the lime green really caught me off guard. Um, but I just like even though this like there's probably a reason these spy shots are from this angle because this is only the only good angle from it. Once you look at the back, it kind of ruins it for me. Um, but I do um, like it better in black. Maybe I, I thought I liked it in the bright color because this, and uh, maybe it's the reflection, but that like nose over the grill is like really bulbous. And I think you may have to look this up. It just now may, all I can see is, I think it's called the blob fish. Well, listen, I'm putting an end to it. It's <laughs> ugly and it's not a Genesis. So there we go. My, <laughs> I want the green one. It's not a Genesis and it's ugly <laughs> and the less expensive, cheaper ones look better. Yes. Perfect. The end. So that's end of that. Uh, but there's one more thing I wanted to squeeze in this show. Uh, we've already talked about Cyberlander in extent. Um, <laughs> check out that a couple weeks ago. That was fantastic conversation um kyle was very gracious with his thoughts um there's something else that reminded me of that partially because we have no nothing besides renders and this is actually interesting because it's local to us this is just up my street in boulder it's the um colorado teardrops which is actually an existing company that makes teardrop trailers they are now previewing what is going to be an ev adventure trailer on model which is, apparently 
I noticed. <laughs> yeah. A Model S is towing it in all the videos. Yeah, all, yeah, all their three models just together. They, yeah, and Model S approved for towing, right? So they can do that. We won't watch the video. We don't want to get copyright struck, but the video is one of the most cringy videos I think I've ever seen. The voice is only on the left side. It was like not mixed properly. The background music is really cheesy and breaks up a bunch of times. It is just renders, and it's not even that good of rendering. Um, and it's just, yeah, and they're, they're taking reservations already. I don't know how many they've sold, but they're taking up to $10,000 reservations. This thing in oh, the end will cost forty-five dollars to $55,000. <laughs> thousand dollar reservations yep for a render yep uh <laughs> You've got that's the craziest thing i've ever heard 75 Down kilowatt hour 10, battery 000, yeah. it's gonna weigh under two thousand pounds and theoretically the idea is you know take it on a camping trip and then while you're camping overnight it will charge your model x in the case of all their photos and videos um back to full which is funny because depending on how far you go, it might not get you to full with 75 kilowatt hour battery, but yeah, it's, it's interesting, but I, yeah, it's another one of those things where I don't know. I don't know. It's like, I don't, I want it to succeed. I want all these things to succeed. Cyberlander seemed way out there. This one seems, I don't know. It's, it's not as far out there. Like they're not trying to say, here's all the fresh water and great water. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know why they're making you like, I don't get why they're like, oh, let's tow a range extender around behind you since you're going to tow your camper anyway. Like, oh why don't you God, just got use your camper to power? Oh, uh, yeah, that's this, a little crazy. I mean, at least it's dumb. made by a real company. So, I mean, I'll give them credit. They're <laughs> probably going to actually make this unlike Cyberlander. Yeah, but you know what? They but... just want the money up front to develop it. If they were legit oh, yeah, and that's they what believed in their product, they'd go and get the financing, they'd go and make the product. They would stock them and then they would sell them like every other normal legitimate business. Yeah. I, it, I mean, in a sense, it's a shortcut of doing business uh, rather than going through venture capital. What I'm kind of curious about this is I like the idea of having a battery pack teardrop to pull behind our EV and then have some power when we get to our destination, both to run whatever we want for camping and then maybe top off the car. But there's sort of a fundamental thing I think of with this, which is, now I have two batteries I'm charging. So it, yep. it maybe gives me some extended range uh, and assuming it's got a powerful enough onboard inverter to actually charge at a relatively decent clip. Uh, now let's leg. say I go to that campsite that's, yeah, for that first leg. Now I go to that campsite or whatever uh, where maybe I can charge off of a 1450, 240 volt outlet, but now I have to charge both things. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, so I, I wonder what the charging is gonna be. It's, it's not like it's going to generate its energy necessarily. So, I mean, it gives you some extended range in these circumstances that are helpful, but maybe not like the ultimate off-grid vehicle because you're off-grid for just one more, you know, 30 kilowatt hour amount than you would normally be realistically. I mean, I don't know. How large is that battery supposed to be? Well, again, here's the, the all the things you could do with a trailer that someone would... <laughs> want to do you know like, Concerts. how about just let me yeah. do what i want to do with it don't, don't give me any idea business promotion oh, there it is 75 uh, kilowatt hour battery that's big yeah, yeah 75 yeah. kilowatt hour pack. um it's like yeah, having a whole star too behind it's you. not worth wasting our time on another one of these until it's built once it's built happy geek out about it yeah ten thousand dollars build one that's a very interesting and jordan they're down the street from your house yeah. Feel free to interview them or bring them on the podcast and have them explain to us why they think that's a good idea. Defend it. Yep. Everyone's just Tesla set the precedent precedent, I'm sorry, to <laughs> take money before a product's out and use the money to develop the product. And then you get it four years, five years later. Yeah, but oh. my Tesla is taking two hundred fifty dollars for a hundred and forty thousand dollar cars. Yeah. Yeah. Not ten grand. <laughs> for a company that hasn't done any major electrical high voltage work before. And then there's an asterisk that says specifications are subject to change without notice. Don't worry. There you uh, go. <laughs> read the fine print, if folks. you can't put it in writing and sign your name to it, do not put your money there. Damn. <laughs> I, I just think it's it's at least have like a very rough prototype. Like that's 
stage one before I feel like I'm ready to put money behind something. You know, ben, if you can show me a physical are, one. People are thinking Lucid is a scam right now, okay? And then <laughs> these people, they're also buying into this and putting money on their trailers. Yeah, these rendering... <laughs> These renderings are worse than the graphics from Flight Simulator 2000 on Microsoft PCs. Well, look, they're <laughs> supposed to build trailers, not rendering, so I kind of yeah. get that. Maybe use the renderings internally to then build a trailer and then show us a real one. Yep. Or or outsource that to someone who can make it something a little higher quality. I mean, I know it's not the point of the product, obviously, but at the same time, you know, if you're going to ask for money, for the video. you have to show you've taken some extra initiative, I think. <laughs> yeah, Ben, you'll you'll have to give them a few hundred dollars reservation so they can make the video and then we can watch the renderings. <laughs> okay. uh, <that's> <laughs> nice. Well, thanks for joining us. That was another fun show. Uh, we'll see you all next week. Um, we are on lots of platforms. Out of Spec is going crazy this month. Kyle's going to be in Europe getting lots of content, so be sure to check out our Twitter. I'll be in Europe for more than three weeks driving tons of crazy EVs. Yeah, so give us a follow. Awesome out of spec uh we're on twitter of course youtube and everything um i am jordan underscore schieffer on twitter and then we have mike m underscore breeling ben is benji underscore oos and kyle it's kyle connor so thanks for joining us and we'll see you all very soon deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.